I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, I'm Murli Krishnan from Hindustan Times. I've been reporting from the court for the past seven years. Happy 70th Supreme Court is a 13-episode series about the court and its history. In the last episode, I told you about how our birthday boy yielded to a majoritarian government and brought international bad press to Indian judiciary. In this episode, I will talk about attempts by him to regain his lost prestige. As you might know, Indira Gandhi lost the elections in 1977. The Janata government then came to power and introduced a few changes to the constitution for ensuring independence of judiciary. But the court, the Supreme Court itself, took the matter into its own hands. And how was that? First, it introduced the mechanism of public interest litigation. We know it in short as PIL. Now, what is a PIL? It is a concept borrowed from America where a person is allowed to fight a case on behalf of those people who are actually not in a position to fight the case themselves. Okay, so what is new about that? Well, it diluted the traditional concept of locus standee. Now, what is locus standee? According to the concept of locus standee, a person approaching the court should be personally aggrieved by something. In other words, traditionally, only a person who is affected by a wrong can move the court. But in a PIL, a person who is in a position to fight a case can do that on behalf of public at large who are incapable of fighting the case. So cases are filed to ensure rights of slum dwellers, women, Dalits, minorities, etc. who are disadvantaged. One of the first instances when locus standi was diluted was the case of Mumbai Kamgar Sabha. In that case, the legendary Supreme Court judge, Justice Viya Krishnayar, said that a union of workers can represent the workers at large, even though the union itself is not a party to the dispute. But the concept of PIL really came to the forefront in the case of Hussein Ara Khatun versus Home Secretary, State of Bihar. In that case, some prisoners from a jail in Bihar pointed out the deplorable conditions of prisoners who have been detained. Many of those prisoners were under trials. That is, prisoners whose cases were still pending in courts and who are in prison during the interim period while the case is going on. The Supreme Court held that the government has a duty to provide legal aid to such under-trial prisoners who are poor. The court also said that it has an obligation to enforce fundamental rights of the accused to speedy trial by issuing necessary directions to the government. Eventually, what happened was that, due to the case filed by a few prisoners in Bihar, around 40,000 prisoners from across the country were released from detention. PIL was here to stay. The court through PILs did two things. One, as I explained earlier, was that it diluted the concept of locus standee. Secondly, it began to make the government accountable for not doing its duty for ensuring welfare of people. This it did by expanding the scope of fundamental rights like Article 21. The court in various PIL cases held that right to life under Article 21 includes the right to live with dignity and not merely an animal existence. Therefore, the government is duty-bound to ensure that a minimum standard of living is provided to its people. Hence, various rights of poor, disadvantaged, homeless people were ensured by PILs. 
Further, it also gave a boost to environmental jurisprudence. That is, right to clean air, clean water, etc. became part of fundamental rights under the constitution through the judgments of our birthday boy. In the following decades, the concept of PILs began to be overused and subsequently misused. More on that later. Another major impact of emergency years was the change in the method followed for appointment of judges to the Supreme Court and High Courts. As I had explained in the last episode, Justice H.R. Khanna was superseded to the post of Chief Justice for a judgment which he had written against the government. The power to appoint and transfer judges and Chief Justice of the Supreme Court and High Courts back then was with the government. This was based on Articles 124 and 217 of the Constitution. A birthday boy wanted to change it. So, in 1993, in the case called Second Judges Case, the Supreme Court held that when it came to appointment of judges to High Courts and Supreme Court, the primacy was of the opinion of the Chief Justice of India. Now, how did it reach this conclusion? I will explain. Article 124 provides for the appointment of judges to Supreme Court and says that the President shall consult the Chief Justice of India for it. Article 217 is a similar provision for appointment of judges to high courts. The Supreme Court held that the word consult used in Article 124 means concur. So effectively it held that the appointment can be made only if the Chief Justice of India concurs to it. In short, the court held that the Chief Justice of India will have the final say in judges' appointments. This judgment of 1993 led to what we know today as the collegium system of appointment of judges. A collegium is a body of five senior-most judges with the Chief Justice of India as its head. It takes the final call on appointment of judges to the Supreme Court and all high courts in the country. Thus, in India, we have what is known as judges appointing judges, a very unusual practice. This was brought about by the Supreme Court to shield the judiciary from the influence of the government and ensure that it works independently. But this system has come under the scanner in recent years because of lack of transparency. Nobody knows what actually goes on behind the closed doors of the collegium and on what basis judges are chosen. It is often alleged that what happens in the collegium is you scratch my back and I scratch yours. Referring to how the judges in the collegium push the case of candidates who are their favourites. But that will be a story for another day. If you wish for me to discuss any of Supreme Court's ruling, tweet to me at Legal Journalist. You can also show your love for this podcast by liking, sharing and following us on HT Smartcast. We are ever-present on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. For more such interesting podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com. Until next time, this is Murli signing off. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.